0: All right, everyone, this is our last session for this cycle, not forever, but just for today. So, we started by going around the circle, and not every one of you was in the circle when we started. But uh, if you could, if you would be kind enough, either to ask what might be remaining to be resolved or to offer back to everyone here what may be the most notable or important idea that has come to you through this experience, um, I think it would be fun for us all to hear that. So, Blazy, do you want to start? Yeah, you thought I was looking over to lovely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what remains, what came to me in the meditation was that Dharnaji had uh, put up a question yesterday. Speak up. Uh, had asked a question yesterday, if you remember. He asked Swami me to give a specific stories. example.
0: Yeah. 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 And I said no. I'll probably say <laughs> no again. I, I had listed out, for those of you who weren't here, I'd listed out the five essential attitudes that Swami laid out for a devotee. And then Dharana asked me to give a specific example from Swami's life. You know, I, my brain just absolutely refused to do it. And I even thought about it last night. I thought, why was I... Yeah, you better open that. Why was I so... It just... Um, stories, it was too linear. I just... My brain doesn't work in a linear manner. I It just... What's happening? Oh, it's already in there. Okay. The, my brain just can't work in a linear manner. And I don't mean to be <coughs> coy about it, because you would think I would be able to. But when I looked at that list, and courage, positive thinking at all times, it's just my mind is completely blank. And I wanted to do it. So I, I woke up this morning and my mind went just as blank. So either I'm just being a pill, which is quite possible, or else it's just I can't do it. What? Were you gonna say? No. Yeah, you can take the first. One step in that direction. Okay, I'll think about it. (laughs) I don't know why I'm so resistant, but I can, of course. (laughs) An example of Swami's courage. Oh, we started a whole political movement at Ananda Village in Nevada County when the planning director was blocking the development of our community. And Swamiji was the only one with enough uh, political savvy is the only way I could put it to understand that uh, we were never going to win this woman to our cause, and that the only way we were going to succeed was to get her fired. And she it had already been recommended by the grand jury, which is the investigative mechanism there, that she be fired, but people weren't willing to fire her. And Ananda wasn't the only, uh, the only entity that was being hurt by her, so he started a whole political movement uh, secret, I mean, without saying that it was Ananda. And we stirred up the entire county and got the woman fired. And then a competent planning director was put in her place and our master plan was approved. Jaya worked for seven or eight years on that master plan, so he really knows about it. You know, part of the problem is that Swami's courage was so instinctive, I never thought about a discourage. And I think that's part of of what the problem is with trying to pin those attitudes on Swamiji, is that it it was just who he was. And to sort of say this was an example of a characteristic, okay, now I have something useful to say on the point. For me, I perceive what right attitude is and I discipline myself to have it. You know, like I told you the story about Swami woke me up in the middle of the night and told me that I was being a coward. So I had to find the strength to be strong. Uh, This this is the story that illustrates this most vividly. Swami was 22 years older than me and remained 22 years older than me for all of our lives, as you can well imagine. (laughs) So I was 24 when I arrived. He was 46. He had tremendous amount of life experience. I had none. The fact that I had no life experience did not Inhibit me from having strong opinions <laughs> <clears throat> there you have it and uh, but Swamiji was always respectful to me. I said yesterday that he asked my opinion for twenty five years before it occurred to me that he didn't actually need it, that he was just asking it to make me feel involved and give me a chance to learn to think so then finally, I get to be twenty two years older than some of the some of my friends and the people that I'm working with. And from time to time, I'm tempted to say something like, what do you know? (laughs) You know, (laughs) you've had no life experience. You're just a little twerp. What do you know? (laughs) I'm tempted to say that. I never actually did. But the fact that it crossed my mind and as a way to just shut down conversation so we could go forward and do what I wanted to do it occurred to me that in all the years I knew Swami, he never once, even obliquely, made reference to my age or lack of experience, not once. And I felt extraordinarily grateful for that, so I went to him and I I told him the whole saga of my now working with people with the same age gap and experience gap, and how grateful I was that he'd never shut down conversation by claiming a superior position. Which God knows he had every right in the world to do. And he accepted my comment, but he accepted it in a way that I, I had I'd learned to read, which was that there was still something I was missing. Even though I was thought I was being grateful I was missing something. And then he looked at me and, and in reference to the difference in our age, he said, I never noticed he said, I never think of anyone in terms of the age of the body. He says the age of the body is a completely trivial definition of a person because the soul is ageless. And if a saint is two years old, he's still a saint, even if he's only two years old. It just absolutely means nothing. And that triggered in my mind the realization that whereas I perceive his behavior and try to emulate it with willpower and conscious thought, Swami, for him, it's a state of consciousness. So he's not manifesting virtues. He basically is those virtues. And so he just expressed in the world according to the vibration of consciousness on which he lived. And so for me to sort of illustrate a characteristic that I'm affirming by... Showing how he did it. Yes, of course it could be done, but I don't. I don't think of it backwards like that. I don't think. I don't think. Oh, well, Swami showed us how I show. I show myself how to be courageous. I show how to be positive. Swami just was. And yes, of course, one could still find stories. So I'm being a little picky about this, but I think that's part of what. It's just my brain. Just I just didn't know how to go like that. I, but of course, it's there and it could be done. It just won't be done by me today because I'm stubborn and resistant at this point. <laughs> but you'll find it all through the book. What you'll find is just Swami's intuitive response to things and then you can name it. You can name it whatever you want because he did illustrate it. Okay? Does that help? You have to. They also have to hear you because you're not amplified. Uh-huh.
1: Hello. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Um, I was greatly touched by your self-honesty in all the interactions and talks uh, that you have given, your devotion to Swamiji, and uh, uh, personally also um, the five attitudes that uh, you listed in yesterday's talk. uh, That's topmost in my mind and I was running through them in my meditation of courage, um, humility, positive thinking, even-mindedness living for god alone and serving god alone i think we need constant reminders of these attitudes to live these teachings and uh, i'll have it up very in good. a sheet of paper that i can look at every morning very good and also uh, be who you are yeah you mentioned that and it's important to accept that reality even as we are trying to make uh, trying to become who we want to become but in, we cannot make leaps of consciousness so to be able to resolve those aspects in your vibration that need to ha- be harmonized as you make that journey forward is also very important so that's something that stays with me too that's wonderful Thank you.
0: Thank you. i'm very happy that all that came to you that's perfect well done you know in the movie last night when uh swamiji had to speak for master when everyone was expecting master to speak and then Master, this is in his autobiography too, Master said they were pleased with your humility. And Swami says, under the circumstances, sir, there was really very little other attitude to have. I feel, having lived with Swamiji, just to be honest about who you are and to be humble about who you are, there's just, after he left, I said, the only adult on the planet is now gone. You know, the rest of us are just children. And it's not a problem, we're just children. If you're four, you're four. You can't be six, and that's it's easy to do then. All right, Madhu? Hmm.
2: I think for me, the biggest uh, takeaway was this point about being yourself, but also uh, one step at a time. Uh-huh. So, very often, we tend to at least I do tend to get discouraged, you know, if the meditation is not perfect or something is not perfect on the spiritual path. So, what you mentioned about we have that aspiration, but to go one look at the next step here itself rather than shooting for right. the stars and my question is more related to when you mentioned um, the world outside is very complex but going home to god is very simple and when you think about that in swami on one hand very simple and next this morning when we spoke about at the breakfast table about on um, his leadership style and how he would make some two warring you know two people with different opinions feel that they both had swami's support That's a very complex skill. Right. It's like it's like a diplomacy on a completely different level. Right. Um, How do you actually balance that or get that? I haven't fathomed it. Well,
0: actually, um, I have to finish that because then, (laughs) okay, Swamiji would—he had a spiritual responsibility for people. And therefore, it was essential that the tie between him and everyone, everyone that was sent to him by master, it was essential that that tie be maintained. At the end of the life of Jesus, Jesus says, and not one of the sheep was lost, except the one that chose to be lost. And he was referring to Judas. And he was describing that he had fulfilled his mission to God, that he'd taken care of those he was supposed to take care of. So Swamiji's keeping a bond with people and keeping a bond of trust with them was ex, was extremely important, and therefore he would often allow people to play out their delusions, and he wouldn't interfere if they weren't receptive to his instruction, because <clears throat> it was more important that they felt his friendship. So when the inevitable disaster struck, they would still trust him rather than him having say, "Don't do it." Then they do it, and then they're too embarrassed. But the the key to that was is he would send us to deliver the difficult messages <laughs> because <clears throat> a person could uh, lose their friendship with me and they wouldn't lose that much. But they could maintain friendship with him. Now, he didn't do that always. But on more than one occasion, one or another of, of us, by the us, I mean just sort of a coterie of people that he worked closely with, would go and try to... But not saying, Swami says but just go and try to coax someone in a positive direction because if they ended up mad at me or mad at someone else, they would still have a tie with Swami. So he had—he was also practical in his idealism that he would find a way to also move things forward in a practical way, but above all, he would still preserve his friendship. And on other occasions, he would just let things run, just let them... We had an expression at ananda he would let things play themselves out, assuming that truth has a way of coming forward in the end, but mostly what he did to be i mean I had to just add that little bit, but mostly he we were so he was so loving, and he and again, this is consciousness Someone came to him once and said, "I read in a leadership book that if you have to correct someone, you should first say three good things about them." Swami's response was, oh, it's so manipulative. He said, and any sensitive person is going to see through it right away. You know, you can't have a technique for working with people. Swami had no technique. He genuinely understood how we felt. He genuinely wanted us to be better, and he had no personal stake in anything. His only wish was to help us. And so we felt it. And when you're like that with people you can often say very strong and difficult things and they'll believe you because they know that it's not your agenda, that it's really just to help them. Now, of course, we're in an ashram where everybody has high ideals. In an office where half the people are just in it for themselves and there's no shared assumption of truth, it's more difficult. And in fact, Swamiji wrote an entire 26 lessons on material success and happiness by yogic principles trying to bridge the, the the huge gap between ashram life and regular life. But the principle is still there. If you actually, in your heart, wish people well and want the best for them, even if the best includes, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to fire you because you're just not suitable for this job, people will still feel, if you wish them well. And you can't fake that. You just have to practice it all the time. Okay? And Swamiji would sometimes take a stand later. You know, like after all the dust had settled, he would say, yeah, that was a good idea. I'm glad you did it. <laughs> but he would wait until things had played themselves out before we'd make such comments. Okay?
3: First of all, I want to thank you wholeheartedly. This weekend is one of my the beautiful weekend in my life, and I know these memories, these words, these experiences will always encourage me whenever I feel down. Thank my you. Life. Thank you.
0: Right. Okay. I have to say it's really been a joy to be with all of you. I just I haven't I haven't been back to India for six years, and I haven't. Stepped out of my own environment hardly at all in that period of time, and I'd sort of forgotten how absolutely wonderful it is, just to cross the world, and find that we're still at home. Isn't it remarkable that Master's family is just one family? I was, um, I was actually in Delhi, in, an, in the apartment of some group of devotees, and there was about three or four countries represented. And I believe America had, was bombing Yugoslavia. Does Yugoslavia exist? It's something like that. And and one of the men in the group worked in the um, worked in the airport, and he was often in, in the air with airplanes and wherever whatever was going on. I have no sense of geography and even less sense of the military, but he was at some level. And then there were American jets like loading up with bombs and then going over here and bombing somebody and then flying back and. He was watching all of that. And we're just, all of us in this room, it's like it's all, the whole thing is completely incomprehensible to us. And we made a decision that we were the nation of (laughs) self-realization. And that we wanted sky blue passports, you know, the color of Krishna. And that we were going to, we wouldn't have to go through security. We wouldn't have to go through customs. We would just, somehow or another, you would have to demonstrate that you meditated and loved God. But if you could do that, and uh, I've always felt that, that, that we're a separate, we're a separate entity. And we, we stand outside of, of everything else and are just unified by this one truth. And we have to live according to these other patterns. But none of them are actually, for us, actually, none of them are real. It's It's the costume that we've had to put on, really, to serve these masters and to liberate ourselves. But our self-definition is something completely else. And it's been wonderful for me to be reminded of that again, and find just so much friendship and receptivity. And thank you for wearing your name tag so that I now know who I'm talking to. <laughs> I mean, you have. Now I think I have it. But it's a trivial thing. It's It actually is. It's trivial that it can't quite remember our names, because we've had lots of names. You know, we've been together in lots of ways. I have experiences sometimes where I simply cannot call a person what they're presently called. It's just they have another name to me. It's not necessarily a very interesting or spectacular name. It's just the name that I'm more familiar with and it's a lot of trouble to change it back. But when you think about that, um, life gets much sweeter. And then it's easier, as Swami was able to do, just to wish each other well. You just think think what journeys we've been on. Oh my, my, my. Apparently the Buddha said that... uh, that we've been close to everyone in the world at one time or another. Master said, Swami said, we're a very old spiritual family and we've just had so many lifetimes together. We've had so many experiences. And that's why there's such a sense of familiarity and recognition and mm, shared reality because it's the truth. You know, it's just the truth. And so we come together for a short period of time, but it's basically, um, it's renewing. It's not beginning. And that's why just so much can happen in 48 hours, which doesn't really make any sense. It's completely illogical, but it's perfectly logical when we make the picture a little bigger. So, yes.
4: Yeah. Uh, So first of all, uh, I think um, one of the, uh, I mean, prime reason for um, uh, being here is like this presence. uh, I mean, I feel the really good presence of Swamiji here. Uh, in in this property and as well as in the temple and uh, the experience of meditating here is uh, one of the best and uh, I would say this is the most uh, uh, important thing uh, as in for the course for me and uh, as far as the questions are concerned actually I don't know I I really don't have any questions that you know I don't have answers for most (laughs) of the times it happens to me that like Let's say if you, I mean, if I have some kind of query, then if you sit on meditate and maybe in in uh-huh. in uh, some some point of time you really get the answers and uh, I really don't think that there is something that I would ask uh-huh. something like that. But uh, the questions and answers questions were I mean this is the first thing I I saw the speaker. Uh, only concentrating on the questions rather uh-huh. than he, his own agenda of uh, <laughs> uh, putting up the things. Uh-huh. And uh, <coughs> again, I liked uh, some of the questions where uh, I mean Swamiji's decisions about the Swedish uh, uh, way of making the house and the decisions that he took, uh-huh. and uh, that part of conversation. And uh, I mean, he like really took that uh, decisions uh, really. Wholeheartedly and accepted the way it went forward. And uh, <clears throat> other thing I uh, like, uh, I mean, uh, the thing where we discussed that uh, there is some part of me which is, you know, not right or uh, I mean
0: uh-huh. the
4: wise donkey or something
0: like yes, that. Yes, exactly. So that, that <laughs> uh, oh. Brother donkey, donkey St. Yeah. Francis, brother yeah. Donkey, yeah. Uh-huh. So that
4: one, uh, I think, uh, yeah, that that was a fun part. And uh, because in, in earlier, I thought like, uh, you just have to love yourself completely. But uh-huh. I mean, this is uh, another starting yeah. uh, way of thinking, like this yeah. kind of brother donkey.
0: And oh, very I, good. Yeah. Very so, good.
4: And there is some part of me that uh, that is something not appropriate or something that yeah. I need to work on. So this one is one of the, uh, another uh, way of thinking. So yeah, yeah I, that was uh, good.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed that. I was saying for those of you who weren't in the room at that time that Francis resisted the impulses of his physical body, but he called it he called it a brother. He called it a donkey, but he called it brother donkey. <laughs> I was just trying to get the balance point between trying to transform and uplift ourselves, but not being at war with ourselves, which is a very, a very important balance. Okay, thank you, Hema, Hema. Um,
5: thank you so much for the great weekend. Uh, um, after the great speech, I have picked up a few points. I huh? would rather not talk about what I want to do or what I want to practice now. I huh? better do it and then talk about okay. it will
0: <laughs> that'll, that'll do. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Very good. <laughs> Kavita. Thank
6: you, Ashaji.
0: It doesn't, you, you won't hear it.
6: Yeah. <laughs> yeah thank you, Ashaji. Uh, it was a beautiful weekend and um, one of the first things that you mentioned the evening we came here was um, that our spirituality there is no difference between our spirituality and us mm-hmm. and to be authentic and true to our own self uh, that is what you would want us to feel and experience uh, there is no demarcation or separation from who we truly are and the spiritual life that we aspiring Mm. somewhere I felt in my own understanding in these past few days uh, that in in the pursuit of divine aspiration sometimes we tend to go off the ground and try to be emulate uh, a higher aspiration some uh, it may not be true for everyone but maybe for some that uh, we lose touch with our inner essence exactly right and um, that pursuit is not uh, Beneficial. Right. Uh, that's what I deeply resonated and understood in your speaking and the subtle, subtle vibration that you emanate with your teachings of being in tune with Swami. Uh, how he has uh, inspired you and made you a channel um, of your own higher octave. You resonate his frequency, but you also speak from your own authentic ground. Right. So that is the biggest blessing and learning for me.
0: Thank I'm you. very, very glad, Kavita. Very happy, Kabir. Why don't you bring Radhika up from behind your hand or the, yeah, yeah. Did I say your name incorrectly? No. Yes, of course. That's you're not. Yes, yes. Sorry, Radhika is someone who has a hairstyle similar to yours, but she isn't you. I definitely know she's not you.
7: <laughs> I'm so grateful, uh, Ashaji. I have been hearing hearing you since last Sunday,
1: mm-hmm.
7: and there are many points uh, which actually we took and we make made the notes because we won't be able to remember all. But I would like to mention two, three points. One is, you mentioned that uh, when we are meditating or whatever we are doing, it is a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So that touched me a lot because we really have to form certain relationship with Him which we have to follow further. And another thing is that you said uh, cheerful willingness or cheerfully we have to accept. So that cheerful word is more important
0: <laughs>
7: because many things are happening and we are just passing through it. But at heart, we are not happy about it. Yes, Somewhere exactly. we are troubled why it is happening with us. But that cheerful word really struck me. And very good. it definitely will help us
0: Yeah, very because good.
7: in worldly life, we go on in many uh, processes where we tend to forget yeah. the God actually, and that is a real challenge for us.
0: Very good.
7: And there is always a shift from worldly life and spiritual life. Yeah. So that is more uh, challenging uh, for us. Yeah. And yes, and uh, to be who you are, mm-hmm. because again there is a rest inside that we have to do this we have to achieve this, or I have to meditate for certain hours. There is continuous uh, slight restlessness that troubles. So that point was very clear, and I'm very grateful about it.
0: That's very good. You You know, um, my friend Shivani, whom you all know really well, Shivani being a founding member of Ananda, and being one of life's most outstanding, unusual Mm -hmm. characters, and also, to my experience, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and just sing her praises, but she's she's remarkably free of complexes, which is one of the reasons why she has so much energy. But for many years of her life, and Shivani, if you ever see this, you can correct me, but my belief was that she set her alarm for four o'clock every morning, turned it off, and got up at six. <laughs> but every night she would reset it for four in the morning and just completely would just do that, you know, just on a regular basis. And I could never have just with ease done it. And for her, it was just like, someday I'm going to do this. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And then we would just, you know, just keep moving through it. And I mean, just this is completely ridiculous, but this is just about Shivani. For some reason, one night, I spent the night in the house with her where she was living at Ananda Village. Her husband was away. She had a very large bed and we just slept side by side on the bed. At four in the morning, her cat jumped on my chest and woke me up like this. From a dead sleep, from a dead sleep, I got up, I grabbed the cat like this, I threw it at Shivani, who was on the other side of the bed, and then forgive my foul language, I said, that's a hell of a thing to teach your cat. I said like that. And Shivani said, oh, I find it rather helpful. <laughs> it's was like that. <laughs> so, that's Shivani. But, that was, she. she's taught me a lot as as a friend over the years. You know, you just... Keep trying, and you keep trying, and why would you not keep trying? You know, making, making, someday made. That's what Lahiri said. So, (laughs) you've just walked in today. Do you have? (laughs) Would you have something to say?
8: Yes, yes. I was not present here yesterday, but like Bhagishri, I have been hearing you since Sunday itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, the most important takeaway is this Mm attunement. I will say it is certainly helping me in these past two, three days. I am trying to, and rather able to correlate, uh, as you said that day, that uh, it is a part of your normal life, as if God and Guru is with you every time, and right. he's just beside you, and you are, if you are getting some good thoughts, it's his, it's their grace, mm-hmm. and uh, that is a result of kind of attunement only. -hmm. So yes, I have been getting good thoughts, and now I am able to relate those old experiences also. And I had one or two experiences in past three days. Very good, very good. That way, I will say it's one of the most important. uh, Very good. Takeaway for me. Uh And certainly, we have been waiting very anxiously for your arrival here in Uh Pune because uh, we are meeting you for the first time, and we have heard you a lot on YouTube as well as the articles on her to her. That one, I was I very anxious uh, waiting. No, that is also fulfilled.
0: Well, thank you. I'm so pleased for that. You know, um, in I'm pointing to the book because it used to be sitting over there, but it's not sitting there, the book. <laughs> uh, in 1972, Swamiji rewrote the Raja Yoga course yesterday when we were pulling out the entrenched vitality of our mortal delusion, <laughs> which is a joke that some of you who weren't here don't understand, but... Um, In 1972, Swamiji rewrote those lessons and he describes in there, he said, uh, for the writer or for someone who's uh, helping others spiritually, it also has to be a growing experience for that person. Swami said the first course of the lessons, he, he, he wrote from what he already knew, but he said other people liked it, but he was not satisfied. So he sat down to write it in the moment from the realization of the moment and then he describes that it sometimes he said he would have to stop for a week or even in a case, one case for a month until he could understand the idea sufficiently in the moment. When you asked me that question about attunement, I really, I really wasn't quite sure what the answer was. I could sense that there was something, but I had to really meditate on that. And I actually learned something that was really good for me to learn, which is sort of, you know, you, you all express gratitude, but you don't appreciate or I, I would like you to appreciate the extent to which this is not I'm not operating in a vacuum here. It's if your if your sincerity wasn't on the other side of this, then I would have nothing to say. And and what Swami tells me to say a lot of times is interesting to me. Swami Swami Griananda was so free in this, I'm by no means there. But he said he could say something like, now here's an important idea. And Swamiji said he would have no idea what the idea was. He could just feel that an important idea was coming and then he would do it. And then sometimes he said he would hear himself say something and he would think, that's a really good idea. I wish I had thought of that. (laughs) And it would just be coming out of his mouth in the moment because it would be magnetized by the sincerity on the other side again, to quote Shivani, Shivani's prayer before she would give a talk was, Lord, you have no mouth and I have no brain. So if we work together, we can probably make something good happen here. (laughs) So I'm very grateful that that was helpful to you. It was very helpful to me also. I have a new way of expressing that because you articulated something that I wasn't, it was, it needed to be said. I just hadn't thought. I mean, I'm saying that also you should always feel free to ask a question. There's no such thing as a silly question. And sometimes a silly question turns out to be the most interesting because it just helps everybody. This is all the same theme that you all are hearing. Let's just relax and be ourselves. There's only one adult and he's off the planet. and The rest of us are just kids, so we have nothing to lose. Why don't you pass it back to your wife behind you? The um, The question, well... Pankaj just asked about attunement, but in his mind he had, and I did too, as if attunement was something over here. It's the same theme I've been talking about the whole time, that attunement is over here and it's something I go over and acquire rather than attunement just emanating from who I am and being the natural consequence of my devotion to God. It's it's the same, you all hear this, you've all spoken about the same theme, that we make the path harder than it is because we think it's external to ourselves. I don't know, it was one of the earlier talks, satsangs in Pune, which, uh, which is be posted Wednesday. It was, it's, post, it's posted online, so it can be, although I didn't actually answer it. Pankaj asked me after class, now that I think about it, so it's not on the recording, but the next one I actually answered because I didn't have an answer. Like, I didn't have an answer on entrenched vitality of our mortal delusion either. <laughs> That's going to be the, this is going to be the entrenched vitality weekend at Pune. <laughs> put it, register it that way. Yes, Kamna. Uh,
2: thank you, Ashaji, for coming. And uh, please keep coming here again and again. <laughs> and uh, my question is that whenever we are in difficult situation not only situation emotionally also, why always we want to be rescued? First thing is that someone come and rescue, and yeah. then we realize that or whatever I've read and seen, uh, Swamiji's and your dogs, and then... I, rem- I couldn't relate that time, and it takes time to...
0: Well, actually, um, the desire to be rescued is basically the fundamental opposite of superconsciousness. If, I mean, if you run through the progression of the CAs, which I'm not going to, but you can, um, if you run through the progression from subconscious to superconscious, the nature of the opposite of superconsciousness is to find happiness by decreasing our awareness, whereas the nature of superconscious is that we expand our awareness to infinity. And when we expand our awareness to infinity, Everything that we're longing for becomes ours because, of course, we have become everything. But there is this fundamental delusion, which is simply the way we're made because the kundalini goes all the way to the base of the spine and entrenches itself in this material definition of ourself, which is matter by definition is the least aware compared to spirit. So we just have this subconscious, long-trained habit that if I'm less aware, I'll be happier. Which also goes with if I have to put out less energy, I'll be happier. And if one watches oneself, you can just—it's it beca- a generic equation that just falls into place. Oh, I have a problem to face. I think I'll go to sleep. I think I'll have a—you know—a a couple of inches of whiskey. You know, I think I'll eat a pint of ice cream. I think I'll turn on the television. I think I'll see if there's anything interesting on Facebook. I mean, we just a hundred ways other than facing into it because we imagine that if we can dull our awareness, we'll be safer. And what happens to us simply is it just isn't true. And it's, I mean, the problem with with that is that it doesn't work. It's not that it's immoral or anything like that. It just doesn't work. But we don't learn except by our own experience. So, you know, wanting to be rescued is just a, a very clear articulation of, I'll do anything except face it. And when that happens, it's just, yeah, of course that's how I would feel first. Because that's my whole subconscious habit. But now superconsciousness is saying to me, no, actually, you'll be happier if you face it. And that's where the first attitude of the devotee is courage because it takes more courage to face it than it does to wish it would go away. But the fact that that's how you feel is just absolutely so common, it hardly bothers commentary. That is the battle. That's the field of Kurukshetra. The conscious mind standing between the subconscious, lesser awareness and dullness is where happiness lies. No energy and infinite awareness is where happiness lies. And the conscious mind just gets to Waffle in the middle and decide which way it's going to go. So, you, you can't always, you know, be magnificent. So, you just try to be not your worst. Everything has a polarity, everything has a better and a worse. And so, instead of being the worst that you can possibly be, you just try to move up the scale at all, and that's success. I was once very upset with someone, and we were in a public place. And, you know, my first option was to just begin screaming at them right in the store. And I thought, no, I don't have to do that. I wanted to, but I didn't have to. So I scooted up to there. Then I, the other place I could go would be complete transcendence and not be bothered about this. No, I don't think we can go there either. And I kept coming up from the bottom and down from the top until I found the place that was real for me. And that is it. There's nothing wrong with that. That's simply it. That's the spiritual path right there. Our, to quote from the Raja Yoga yesterday, we have a resistance to truth. And and so that resistance pulls us one way, and we have to put out energy in the opposite. And if we can't be perfect, we can at least be less than our worst, which is actually huge, because that means we're pushing in the right direction. Ajaya used the image describing... a. That a, a billiard table, pool table, should be perfectly flat so that the ball will sit. But it it tends to be. I mean, if, if we're thinking of our mind as a billiard table, it tends to lean a little bit toward lower awareness, and so that's just what happens. It, and so we have to we have to get behind the ball and push it up, <laughs> you know, because left on its own, it just rolls down into the wrong pocket. But yeah, welcome to the human race. Until until. We've completely cleared our subconscious. You know, Swamiji did not enjoy being unaware to the point where he wouldn't take Novocaine, where he would do surgery with a spinal um, anesthesia rather than a full anesthesia because he didn't even want to go unconscious while they operated on him. He didn't want to dull his awareness. I mean, man, give me anesthesia, give me Novocaine. <laughs> but he just did not enjoy dulling his awareness. He didn't find pleasure in it. I, I still find pleasure in it, I admit. But I'm much more courageous than I used to be. Then that's all we can ask for. My my billiard table is still a little slanted, but I've got it almost even. That's a step. It hasn't yet tipped over to, yes, let me have a challenge. Yes, great difficulties. Not quite there, but the ball doesn't just rush as madly into the wrong pocket as it used to. <laughs> you know, <laughs> All right. Behind you. Aruta, do you have or I has just arrived. Aruta, do you have anything that you would like? Am I saying her name correctly? Yes, okay. I was so proud of myself with Radhika, except it wasn't Radhika.
9: <laughs> Namaste Ashaji.
2: Thank first of all, thank you for coming over here in India and uh, i feel like uh, we are all so blessed that we are the part of this spiritual family Hmm. i uh, liked everything of these sessions like uh, the examples you are giving the humor and uh, difficult concepts also you are explaining them so making them so easy to understand so i liked everything And uh, I was always curious, before coming to Ananda, that how did people who meditate for, say, 30, 40, 50 years, how did they look? So now when we look at you, Jayaji, now I got my Uh answers.
6: Very good.
2: And uh, thank you for coming. And we will uh, follow these teachings, be in tune with Guru, and to our uh, our 100%.
0: Very good. I'm very happy that you know it's uh, It's not always easy to evaluate the masters because we don't have a way of doing that. So one of the ways that you can tell whether a spiritual path is is your own is to look at the people who follow it and see if they are the people that you would like to be, if if you would like to be like them, if they resonate with who you are. Doesn't mean that they are absolutely terrific in themselves, but they resonate with who you would like to become. I had Autobiography of a Yogi before I met Swami Kriyananda. I was very austere in my attitude toward Vedanta and this world, and so it was much too devotional for me, and the miracles in it. I really don't think I got past page nine, I believe, where Lahiri Mahashaya manifests in the wheat field. That's the killing point for a lot of us. So I just put the book away. But when I saw Swami Kriyananda, he looked like what I wanted to be, and he said he got there through Paramhansa Yogananda. So all of a sudden, Yogananda was of great interest to me, not because I felt him, but because I saw the fruit of his, of his work. And of course, Swami was remarkable to me, but countless other people saw Swamiji and never, he didn't look to them like what they wanted to become. So we do serve each other, and I want to put this back to you, all of you. This is what I was saying last night. All of us serve as master's representatives, and we are all helping people around us decide whether or not this is their path, because if they resonate with his disciples, then they resonate with the master. I think I said in here, sometimes people... In the early years, people would say, Well, I don't really much tune into Swamiji, but I like you speaking to me. I would say, You can't possibly like me without liking Swami. You just don't know it because there's nothing that I could present to you except what he's taught me. So eventually, I think you'll become interested in him because there's no, there's no possibility of separation in this respect. And I don't mean that I, that, that where, I don't know where that I blended so completely with him. But I'm the fruit of this teaching. And if it looks attractive, all credit goes where it goes, and hallelujah, praise the Lord. And this is where we can all walk. Right. All right.
7: Thank you, ji. Although I have not been here for the weekend, but I have heard a couple of your talks, and of course on YouTube. And the best way to put it is that it's wonderful to be heart-to-heart with you in person, although I have been listening your you I mean watching your YouTube videos a lot, and the best thing I like, whatever little I heard in person is your little examples, which just fits into your journey of wherever you are stuck, and it's very inspiring to hear all those ex- examples okay. and reconfirms what you understand and struggle to understand and be sure about mm-hmm. going through all those paths.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank Very you so much. Good. You know, when um, all of us have defined our way, uh, I think you can pass it forward or, yeah, yeah. okay. But um, when you're in the clear, you talk about the open spaces. When you're in the forest, you talk about the trees. When you're in the swamp, you talk about the alligators. <laughs> and all of us travel through all those spaces and can offer, you know, wherever we are, whatever we're standing in, for sure. <laughs> Pr- Prisha, did you?
10: Well, this is not my first time watching you in person. And every time I do, I am just so happy because what I love is your joy. And now you're not just a joy or you're not just sharing joy as a teacher, but as a writer. And it's been beautiful to see how, in your own way of self-defining, now you see yourself as a writer, and you said you didn't, even though you published three books before the book now, The Light Bearer. So it's, I think, something that we can take away, no matter what else we took in content, is the joy of when you have something wonderful to share that you do it. It just happens. It is not like you made a moment ago a reference to attunement being out there and maybe I can go get it. And you might say, well, maybe people should go find joy and bring it back. But it isn't that way and it comes from within. And that is what you show. And that is why we, in turn, pick up such joy, watching the joy come from you.
0: I'm not passing the microphone around for testimonials, but thank you. <laughs> I'm just very, very grateful that it it works. That's all I can say. You can pass it forward. Yeah. To
11: yeah. Good morning, and uh, uh, thanks uh, uh, for being here. And you are a an inspiration and I can say two, three things. One is that uh, your vibration resonate with um, Swamiji and the Master which I I could able to match with you. I can resonate, I can reach to Master through you, the the experience which you shared and you are the first person for me to see who uh, was, who is on the path for more than 40 years and which is a real inspiration that okay. Mm -hmm. If you can do then probably I can do.
0: As long as we don't die, we can all do it, yeah. <laughs> the uh,
11: second thing uh, which stuck to me is the, uh, I feel happy if, and uh, one of the smallest desire I had yesterday when I was watching a movie, then uh-huh. when uh, Swami took the book and He
0: opened,
11: uh-huh. and there was a signature of Master yes. over there, and I had a thought. Can I able uh, ever able to see that book? Uh-huh. And I, I had no idea where is the book. Uh-huh. And in the morning we had a, a meditation in the cave. Uh-huh. We were not here. Yes. And then later on we came early and then just sitting here that, okay, we are waiting for the session. And then the other gentleman came, uh, Praveen, and he uh-huh. said, There was a meditation happen in the morning and then uh, uh, the Swamiji's uh, belongings were given to them Uh and do the uh, meditation on that. So then I said, okay, let us go in. And then I found the book over there. It's just sitting
0: right there. Yeah.
11: So Master is there and he is listening all small and big desire. Means like you gave the example of uh, ice cream. Yeah. So my desire was not more than that. <laughs> but it is fulfilled. So. Yes,
0: so now it's done. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very so good. So
11: that, that is, uh, means now my, my devotion, I believe, um, is more uh, increased in uh, Master and Swamiji I'm through so, you. I'm happy so I'm, I'm really, really happy and uh, feeling yes, great I'm
0: for you. very happy. You know, in the same conversation, when Swami talked about reincarnation is caused by longing and regret, I immediately said to him, Swamiji, I could repeat the first 10 years at Ananda in a heartbeat. I said, it was heaven on earth, just living so primitive, so, so quiet, so isolated. It was just fabulous. He's, and he went like this, oh, that's different. He said, that's the soul's longing for freedom. He said, that kind of desire liberates, it does not bind. So a desire to hold a spiritual object in your hand, to have a spiritual desire fulfilled, does not bind us. So we can freely indulge those thoughts (laughs) without the slightest concern that it's going to tip the billiard table (laughs) in any direction. Okay.
3: Yes. (laughs) Uh, It's uh, such a blessing to be part of the spiritual family. Uh I'm really happy I'm able to blend and the bond is just getting strengthened. Yes,
0: exactly. And,
3: uh, uh, most of my answers were related to attunement, which uh, hopefully everything uh, they uh-huh. were actu- I was able to get answers. Very in good. Fact, most of your teachings, preachings uh, simply go into our conscious and subconscious. And right. I am in my life able to find, okay, you told me those things and I'm able to relate most of the
0: right. Very good. At
3: times, maybe I may not remember. Um, uh, so w- uh, one of the um, uh, takeaway was uh, you said you may be doing ten uh, percent less in one thing and maybe other maybe we have got uh, I may not be doing my meditation properly but I'm able to read the scriptures and yes. teachings and maybe I can attend sessions and then c- that can compensate. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so that that was uh, one of the key takeaway. And secondly, uh, you told a very distinct distinction be- between wishful thinking and. Uh, positive thinking sometimes when we are on the path uh, we think it's the god's will and everything is going to be well and mm-hmm. in fact swamiji also never felt he had also a lot of challenges so we i i also feel okay maybe this is the will of the god <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, you said if it's not the end it's not the happy ending yes exactly. Sometimes uh, uh, there mm-hmm. is a uh, dilemma whether or a question arise whether If I'm not successful in one venture or whatever I'm doing, is it the will of the God, or how to find the answers for that?
0: Well, That's a question that you would like me to respond to, yes? Yes. Okay. We don't really know what the lesson is. See, we have a very materialistic point of view. I'm guided to do this, therefore it will be successful. If it's not successful, maybe my guidance was wrong. You could be moved by God to do all kinds of things for reasons you have no idea because the effort to do it will generate in you the right kind of energy and how it turns out in this world is entirely incidental to the whole point. Or the entire lesson could be the necessity for you to fail miserably in front of everyone you love so that you can develop the humility to be able to stand strong in yourself no matter what happens. So... the only question to ever ask is, what is my consciousness? And how can I remain courageous, positive thinking at all times? That's why Swamiji said, that's why I was saying when I was speaking of that yesterday, the attitude that we have toward the spiritual path determines our success or failure, not what actually happens. And so the effort to succeed generally brings out of us positive spiritual qualities that we need to develop. So as a rule, we should continue to try to succeed because usually to give up is to give in to lower kinds of energies. But we should also simply not analyze. It's like like the, the master talks about the plant. You plant the seed and then every day you dig it up to see if it's growing. Yeah. And so... If we're constantly analyzing where I stand and what I'm doing and did I do the right thing and is this God's will, it's just not worth it. It's just better to get up in the morning and, you know, where there's dharma, there's victory and to be practical in our idealism. You know, I've been engaged in a very challenging project recently that is a bit controversial. are not are not in agreement with each other, which sometimes happens. But I feel that I should continue to make an effort to bring about the result that I believe is the one that I feel guided to give, if in the end that's taken away from me, I will accept that. But I'm not going to accept it as long as I can see another creative way for me to move. But there will be, or may be, a point in which all my options are gone. And then I will just say, okay, this is really what God wants. But as long as I can see a creative positive option, I need to keep going. I don't really know what the will of God is. I just know where my foot goes next, and that's it's it's better. Here's the story about George Washington Carver, who was a, a, a born born into slavery as a baby at the end of the Civil War, and then all the the black people in America who'd been slaves were now free, but had no idea how to take care of themselves or how to live. So he was a, a very evolved saint who came in as a black man to help his people establish themselves. And so he did a great deal of scientific research. He was a scientist and a saint to help them develop um, crops that they could grow, to develop markets for their crops. It was He was just a saint for those people. And so one of the things he was most famous for was that peanuts at that point grew very, very easily, but they were only fed to hogs. They were only fed to pigs. So they weren't really a good product, but they grew so well and they were very good for the soil. So he became famous because he he turned that into a cash crop. Now, the way George Washington Carver communed with God was every morning at 4 a.m. he would walk in the woods and his expression was, anything will talk to you if you love it enough. And so he's walking in the woods, and this is the story that's told. And he says to God, God, why did you make creation? And God says to George, George, that's a mighty big question for a little guy like you. So George says, okay, Lord, why did you make me? And God says, that's better, George, but that's still a mighty big question for a little guy like you. So then George Washington Carver says, Lord, why did you make the peanut? And God says, now that's something we can work on together. <laughs> so you just, you have to just be the right size, do what you have to do. You just, the will of God is very hard to know. And the main thing is just be who we are, do the best we can. It'll sort itself out. Yeah.
3: Thank you so much. I got all my answers.
0: Certainly. Captain Patty?
12: Namaste, Ashuji. Normally, I listen to masters and uh, Swamiji's chants, mostly. Very good. Then, uh, after some time, somebody mentioned also some of the mas- uh, Swamiji's talks. Then somebody mentioned your name and you, they said that, you know, I should listen to that. Uh-huh. And I can, at this moment, tell you, later on I got to know in India... Every disciple I think is a great fan of yours and I don't think anybody has missed listening to any of those YouTube videos which you have put on the net. So when I uh, watched them, that's about two to three months ago only, I had a thought in my mind, why not, you know, it's been a long time, I think I should meet her. And uh, out of the blue, I got the ticket to U.S. I decided to come for the 50th anniversary of Ananda. On the way, I said, let me get off at Palo Alto. I didn't know what exactly it is. When I came there, then I got to know that it is where you are actually resident Acharya and you have been living there. And it was such a great experience for me, not only to have that book autographed by you and also have a breakfast in your house, and followed with that, immediately I, the desire wasn't uh, suppressed. I mean, it was not fulfilled. So I was just thinking, you know, I wish you know, I had spent some more time. Then straight away I got to know that you are visiting India. So uh, that's one of the main reasons why I said, though you are spending about a month in Mumbai, I should take another three, four days extra time of yours. So we just uh, made an effort to come and uh, spend time here in this retreat this weekend. It's been a wonderful experience, and uh, I'm going to be there with you for the next one more month. You're no, good. How nice. I can assure you it's <laughs> going to be a tidal wave in Mumbai because people are just waiting for your arrival. Okay. And uh, thank you very much.
0: Yeah, you know, the, um, from the very beginning, when I first started giving public talks, I always recorded, and we were recording first on little cassettes. You know, finally we just threw away hundreds of those little cassettes. And then it, you know, just step by step. I have no idea why, but I always I always insisted on it and we always shared it. And then when we got to the video, um I just somebody asked me, Should we record this? I said if me speaking of myself, if she has a microphone on, you should push the record button. And I, I never felt it personal. It was it wasn't I didn't have any sense of my words were immortal or something like that but it just always felt to me it was an essential part of what we were doing and then when the video and the youtube and now everybody has a video camera but when i was first travelling in my rounds before i would always take somebody with me who had a camera because it just always felt important to me and i didn't you know i couldn't have anticipated what what has happened with podcasts and the youtube channel and the globalization of all of this I, I had no way of knowing any of that was coming, but I could just feel that it was part of what I was supposed to do was to just make these recordings. And it's just phenomenal to me to watch it. You know, i it's just, it has nothing to do with me. By the time they're spoken, they're just gone. And thank God I don't remember them. Heavens, can you imagine if I could remember it all? I'd be absolutely insane. But it just keeps, it keeps helping people. And it's just like, look at that. I mean, this is partly what I'm talking about—about about attunement and God's will and so on, like that. I—I I never knew what I was doing, but I just knew I was supposed to always record it because people would want to share it with their friends, they would want to hear it again. But now it's just turned into this wonderful way. And because, I, you know, Shivani and I were the first two people at Ananda whose entire work was to give classes and to teach. It's like we—we we, we started, and I mean, I started with my little cassettes back then. Um, What was I going to say? So as a consequence, you know, the YouTube channel that I've made is basically, it's like the curriculum of self-realization. And many other people have done it, but I've just done it more and I always had a recorder. And so as a result, this just, this resource has been created and it wasn't, it was no act of will on my part. It was just Divine Mother knowing that, you know, this was going to be needed someday. So when I sort of hear this, and then the other great thing that happens is I meet people I've never met before. They know where I was yesterday and what I had for dinner. <laughs> Some of you know more about my life than I do because I tend to talk about it. But it's it's like immediately there's this sense of kinship, which would be there from Master anyway, but it's increased. And it just... Like we just get to... We don't, we don't have to waste any time sort of trying to figure out who each other are. We just somehow already know. Isn't that... It's just... Dwapara, you know, this transition into Dwapara is ghastly in certain ways. Just, it's so, you know, uncertain. But there's some good things about it. And I must say, the internet and YouTube are like two of my best friends now. And then also, because of that, we can just keep talking to each other. You know, we can all just keep talking to each other. Time and space just don't matter. We can just stay in touch. And and it all just makes us the nation of self-realization. And I'm just as grateful for it as anyone else is. It's so now, also the other part of it for me is, it doesn't matter who's, It doesn't matter if there's one person in the room or there's 150 people in the room. It's like energy is not lost, which was theoretically true, but now it's really true, and that we c- that energy can be put out in one place and it just keeps going, which is. I mean, books were always a way to do it, but so, so Swamiji too, of course, he when he really un- began to understand what the internet could do. He he dedicated himself to recording. I mean, he just kept recording and recording over and over again because of the same thing. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we had Jesus and Sri Teshwar and Babaji on video, <laughs> you know? <laughs> we have a little bit of master. We have a little bit of master and God willing, someday, more of master on film and recording will be released to us. But it's such a a, a privilege and just something we can all carry on. So yes, I'm very happy about it. Very, very happy. Yes, dear Parisa.
13: Good morning, Ashaji. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot to say, um, but I may not be able to share everything publicly and also the fact that this is being recorded. Um, But please understand that I'm deeply, deeply, deeply grateful for your presence and your visit here at the ashram. I had an extremely moving and immersive day yesterday. Um, Oh, Good. Uh, And your your coming here, the release of this book, Mm -hmm. at this particular juncture in my life, in Swami's house, during my stay and time here, serving here, means a lot to me. Very good. It means a lot to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, just the way you saw Swami and the fruits of Him serving Master, I very much see you in that same reflection, the fruits of being on this path and serving Swami. and you represent all the ideals that, that I aspire to. In fact, your journey and a lot of the spiritual dynamics that you spoke about yesterday resonate with my story and where I come from and my journey so far. So I'm not projecting, but please understand. I do understand. I feel very connected and uh, spiritually in terms of serving the same purpose. Right, and path. I know. Um, so I'm deeply grateful for you being and thank here and you. everything you've shared and contributed so far. I have two unresolved um, questions that I'd like to address, and particularly uh, your thoughts, although I think I know, or I think I know the answers, but I'd like to hear what you have to say, Um, or what Swami or Master would have to say in terms of resolving disharmony in relationships and groups. Mm -hmm. And the second question is, and I know you've spoken about this in terms of you know, making your spiritual ideals practical, and, and Swami talked about it. And I very much understand when you speak about expansive consciousness and, and moving towards infinity, but then how do you ground it into material reality in a way that people understand, and, and that's practical in, you know, a larger group dynamic? Uh, is And how did Swami cope with the struggles that came with that? What did he do? You know, what would be his answer to me? That's what I'm wanting to hear about both of these questions.
0: Um, well, that's a whole weekend topic, but I'll, I'll, no, I'll just give it a couple of minutes. Just my intention for this morning is to try to finish here. If anybody needs to just walk into the washroom or get some water, go ahead. We'll finish the circle, which is just a few more people. We'll take a break. And then I'd like to do an R.T. and a blessing. And I'll say more what's going to happen there. But So just so you know. The question of resolving disharmony within a group and disharmony with other people, uh, the first thing I have to say is not a cheerful one. A lot of times it doesn't work out. And I remember a woman came to me and she was having a great deal of difficulty in her life. She had all these different issues that were just a mess. And uh, she wanted to pay me to counsel her as much as needed so that she could finish all the karma. I told her that she couldn't pay me enough for me to be able to finish her karma because it was real obvious just looking at her that she wasn't going to finish it. She was going to progress it or regress it conceivably, but she wasn't going to finish it. There just was no hope of her finishing it. There were just too many unresolved issues, not only in herself, but in all the people around her. It was going to move, but it was not going to come to resolution. I was in a very difficult situation karma with someone and um, it suddenly went into abeyance. And I said to Swami, I was so enmeshed with this person and now it's just, you know, the the tie seems to have broken. I mean, what I said to him was, how can I ever tell what's going on? Because this is so different than it was just a few years ago. Swami said, perhaps the karma's over like that. And I went, you know, inwardly, I went, yippee! like that. And then he let that sit for a moment. Then he said, but I don't think so. (laughs) But he said, you've taken it as far as you can take it. He said, both parties are going to just have to grow in other ways. It'll go up on the shelf. And either the two of you will come back, or if one or the other of you resolves it internally, then... If the other one has anything left, they'll meet someone else who will represent it to them. But he said, this life, the next life, it was just like that. Um, Imagine how many relationships we pick up in this incarnation that we can tell are the middle of the story. Instant aversion, instant attraction, uh, instant attraction that turns into aversion. I mean, you think this is a story we're creating in a few months or a few years? It's the middle of the book. And here's our spiritual family. And Swami's marvelous phrase, we have been all in all to one another, means that we've also been enemies. And we're here to resolve it. You know, love often turns to antagonism. Love creates desires. Desires get thwarted. Thwarted desires lead to anger. Anger leads to loss of discrimination. And pretty soon you're reincarnating with a gurubai but the, the the energy between you is not positive. And it just isn't. And it's just naive to think that everything's going to work out, even though we're devotees and we all mean well. Depends how deep the samskaras are. So basically, in circumstances, whether it's within your spiritual family or with what whoever it's with, we take it as far as we can take it. And we have to be conscious of the fact that the mirror wishing that everything will resolve does not necessarily give us the power to resolve it or give them the power to respond appropriately. So it comes down to certain the questions that have been asked repeatedly. As long as there's a creative way that we can move forward, we should take it. But if the doors close, we have to also be be have enough faith to realize there's just no point in my banging my head against this closed door. I need to work in other ways and with the absolute confidence that it will come back again.
13: So how do you karmically resolve it um, as, you, as to the best you
0: you, can? you karmically resolve it by saying to God, I would like to resolve this. But if it's not there to be resolved, you also have to have the faith and the patience to realize that my opportunity isn't now. And it's not a question of my sincerity. It's just that it's not ripe. The phrase that I used earlier, sometimes things have to play themselves out and you just cannot force them. And many wonderful things at Ananda fell apart and crashed and burned. And it was disappointing when they did, but it just, circumstances, karma wasn't there for it to be fulfilled. It didn't matter how nice it would have been I mean, Swami's life was filled with unfulfilled aspirations, so was masters. But that doesn't mean that the, that the effort was a failure; it just means that the effort is not yet going to bear fruit and so it's it's much like what I was saying, because I'm caught in a situation like that, as long as I feel I'm supposed to keep pushing, and as long as something creative that feels appropriate, and i just don't I don't just mean wild striking out kind of energy. I should keep doing it, but I should always do it with the thought that there's no reason why God's will and why God will conform to my desires in this case. Swamiji said to me on more than one occasion, truth will take care of itself, Asha. You don't always have to be the one shouting for it. So sometimes it's not timely. And many great and beautiful things that God would give this world do not manifest. Because there's no appropriate human instrument to bring them in. It's, and the Swami said that to us. Swamiji coped with it because he had no agenda. He was there to serve Master and he was willing to perceive reality and accept it. And he would lament it at times, time to time. It would make him sad that something, a potential, was lost. But he was also completely realistic that you can't, and you know, in a community, in a, an ashram uh, for for leaders, Swamiji used the phrase once that for a leader, the his medium of self-expression is the energy of other people. That's a really interesting way to think about it. You know, I'm a writer. My medium is words. One of the reasons Swami wanted me to write is I prefer to have control over it. I can work with other people, but I realized I really like to have control. My favorite medium is not other people's energy. My favorite medium is my energy. It's just the way I am. But there are other people whose favorite medium is other people's energy. And when you're trying to do a project, that's your medium. You can't paint with a color that isn't in the box. Sometimes you have to graciously give up unless you can see something. You you you, you will follow it until you reach the point where you can see that it there's nothing help there's nothing more helpful that you can do and that it is not necessarily pleasing to god at that point for you just to refuse to accept reality so you 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 move until you reach the point where an objective appraisal of this would say i've reached the end and on several occasions in my own life i realized including recently recently in the midst of what i was dealing with I actually totally dropped out of the project for six weeks even though I was a key leader because my energy was so bad that there was nothing I could contribute that would help. And I totally dropped out. No emails, you know, meetings, nothing because as Swami said, once your magnetism is off, you can't do any good. He said to me, you won't do more good by just doing more if your magnetism is negative. So that's always been my watchword. When my magnetism gets really negative, that's when Swami says, Asha, truth doesn't always need you shouting in its defense. Because once I'm shouting in in its defense, my magnetism is so terrible that it doesn't matter how good my ideas are. My contribution is zero. So more than once, and most notably a few months ago, um, I just became so emotionally involved that I had to drop and after six weeks i got better and i was able to step back in and but i've seen swami just he'll just look at it and he'll just say it's not going to happen and because he's detached he can see that he'll he'll work like you know like five like 500 men but once he sees it's not there to happen and you know as i said many things have crashed repeatedly. In
13: terms of grounding our spirituality and the roadblocks we come across, and how did Swami cope with, you know, again... uh,
0: I think you have to read 220,000 words of the book, I mean, because that is the story. That is exactly what the story is. How did he do it? And, And I encourage people, which they don't always do, to start at the beginning and read to the end. People tend to be checking around. I mean, which, of course, I can't stop them. It's their book. But it really is very different if you read it from the beginning to the end, because that gives you the feeling of how he did it. If you just skip to the end or go to the middle, you don't understand what the cumulative energy was that he put through. And my, my prayer, and it can only be my prayer because people have free will, is that at the end of that they'll understand the answer to exactly what you just asked? Because it's too big a question for words. Okay? Thank you very much. Sure. Garima, let's see. Yeah, we're we're fine. Do do we need to take a short break before we go on? Would you prefer? No? Okay, let's let's go. huh.
9: the take, uh, key takeaways from this weekend retreat, uh, especially um, were the answers that I was seeking. Mm-hmm. I, I got to them.
0: I'm very glad.
9: And uh, I would like to quote it. So one thing is, uh, without being afraid of failure or success and being where you are, being comfortable in the place where you are, and keep doing what is coming next. Or whatever you feel logically is coming next to you. One thing. And uh, there will always be something that you can do. I- in the sense, you do not have to be perfect to the level of masters, teachers, or anyone. But wherever you are, you'll always find things to share.
0: Very good.
9: With whoever you can. Because Very there good. will always be people who will need help mm-hmm. the way we were helped. Exactly. Exactly the way you can contribute to
0: Exactly. Wonderful. We're always standing on the ladder and there's somebody to the right and there's somebody to the left. You ask this one to help you and then you pass it on to that one there. It's always true. Very good. Very, very good. Thank you. Certainly. Divya?
5: First of all, thank you so much, Ashaji, for being here. I mean, your presence has been a divine presence for me. Uh, I was actually, you know, Booked for going to the U.S. Uh-huh. Everybody was aware of it, I mean, and I was the first one uh, to do the booking. I told that uh-huh. yes. "I'll be going definitely." And towards the end, you know, when the trip was about to be uh, we all planning and everything, uh, it was unfortunate that I couldn't go mm-hmm. because my son fell very sick. I see, and I had a deep. I mean I was sad but then I knew there was something uh, maybe the master is trying to teach me maybe yeah. I've got more responsibility right now to do or whatever but I was definitely a little disillusioned and I was sad and uh, well when I got to know that you are coming here and I've been listening to your youtube you know uh, the sessions and everything I was a little double-minded, whether I should go for the full retreat or I should go for the day retreat, you know, <laughs> day and come back in the evening, and there were 101 questions going around in my mind. But ever since uh, you've set your foot in Pune, I've been following you, like I said. <laughs> I just don't want to be away from you even for a single moment. It's like as if my Divine Mother is down here with us. So, I mean, it feels, and I connect with you totally. And there were so many questions, uh, you know, I've even shared it with Blazy, and you, know, in my mind, going around. Well, I think I've got the answers to most of them through your talks, through your lovely sessions and the way you've come across to us. I mean, so much of humility, so much of humorous hu- I mean humor to it. I can only thank you so much.
13: <laughs> thank you so much..
0: You know, devotion is the first requirement on the spiritual path, but did I say that already? A sense of humor is the second. <laughs> Take ourselves a little lightly. It helps. Yeah. I'm so grateful. you I know you have to go wherever you <laughs> Works for me. I'm, I'm all for it. It's a little complicated logistically, <laughs> but if we can work it out, I'll do it. Lastly.
9: <laughs> Ashashi, uh, for me, I'm short of words. All that I have to say is thank you, and uh, thank you all the masters and Swamiji. And uh, for the, with respect to a particular takeaway, mm-hmm. I am not able to figure out which one to say, because <laughs> every word has been a takeaway for I'm me.
0: I'm so glad so of that.
9: Thank you so much, Ashanti.
0: You know, Swamiji and I were talking once about the fact that uh, Sometimes people will say, oh, you answered all my questions. That sermon was just for me. My friend and I were just talking. One one part of it is because the, the words just come in the moment, they're literally magnetized out of someone else's mind. But Swamiji also had another explanation which was very interesting. He said, the closer a truth is to the center of truth, the more everyone feels it applies just to them. Isn't that interesting? So I think that's what really happens, is that we all just come closer to the center of our own being. And then from that perspective, we just see everything much more clearly. So it's not even what was said or how it was said or who said it. It's just that an experience happens. And when we stand in our origin point, everything rolls out from that. So it, it's, uh, that's why we're so blessed to be part of this family.